This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Superheroes and those seeking to become. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Lily Torre. Lily Torre is the producer and host of the Dreaded Question podcast. She is an actor and theater maker, director, and she's an all-around dope human being helping other people became, become the best human beings that they can be. She's been running a workshop called Doing It Also, which is uh, specifically for theater makers and actors to find parallel careers, uh, thrival jobs, other things that you can do, um, not just uh, working in a restaurant, not that there's anything wrong with working in a restaurant, but maybe there's something that you can do alongside being an actor um, that's more in line with something else that you want to do. So I did that workshop with her, I think it was in June, and then I went on in July and did the kind of the next phase, which is the parallel path, an ongoing kind of community um, to keep the work going that we that we did during doing it also and just kind of an online um, group that meets weekly and supports each other on these paths in doing it also I discovered my idea of wanting to teach people how to be superheroes um, and I look forward to to seeing where that goes I'm in no rush with that really so I'm kind of still in discovery and implementation um, I'm also taking on some other new projects, some other new thrival jobs, as we call them. Um, so I'm kind of in a transition myself. I also now am working with uh, Hannah Viederman. She's helping me with this podcast, with the scheduling, and kind of taking things to the next level. So I'm not all the way alone anymore. Um, not that I've ever been all the way alone, because all of you listening, um, you know, you're part of this community and yeah, I'm just trying to figure out ways to to make space for more community and more connection. Um, and so working with Lily was really great. And I'm probably going to work with her again next month. And it was really fun to talk to her because she also has a podcast. And so we talked about both the joy of podcasting and also as much as I love it and as, as rewarding as it is, it is a lot of work. It's definitely worth the work. Um, I definitely get more out of it than than I get, um, but there is a lot of work. So we bonded on that and bonded on a lot of other things. And I just really, really think she's a lovely person and she's making space for other people to be empowered and kind of find strength in their path. So definitely check that out. If you're a theater maker or if you're somebody that wants to pivot, follow Lily. The links are in the show notes. Um, she's doing great work, and I'm proud to be in community with her. She's also part of the Jen Waldman Studio community, which lately there have been a lot of people on there, but I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that community and all of the work going on there. So um, I'm going to stop talking now because I want you to hear from Lily and hear what she's, what she's up to. So this is Lily Torre host of The Dreaded Question. Let's have a conversation. Okay, see something now? Can you hear me now? Yes! 
How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm back in my apartment in New York, which is very exciting. Happy to be back. Where were you? Um, I was in South Carolina for a month. Gotcha. Yes. Nice. Well, welcome back to New York. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, Yeah, like I told you a little bit, like for me, stepping away, it was only 10 days in Seattle, and it was pretty... um, There wasn't too much to do. Like, I was there helping my mom and stepdad with my stepdad's uh, injury from like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, And I kept things pretty open, um, but I had certain things in New York still to do and kind Mm -hmm. of being there made me realize um, just how like full the time is with like trying to keep up with things totally away that like we're I just was focused on the things that I you know creative projects and stuff Um, so yeah Um, what was it like for you being away and, and coming back It was good. I mean, honestly, the month went by super fast. I thought it was going to feel eternal, but it actually flew by. Um, I'm sure partially because of doing the L10BA and um, I was also helping my family with some stuff. Uh, My grandmother had fallen and um, she had been in like rehabilitation for like two months, which was super hard because no one could go see her. Um, so she finally came back and so I was like helping my, my mom with that. So I think that also helped the time fly by, but yeah, I definitely, other than the Alt MBA and parallel path, I was like, I can't have anything else on my plate. Like I didn't do JWS online. I like really scaled back from like everything. I took a month off from one of my jobs. Like I just was like, I need some space. So what's, uh, one of your other jobs aside from, the ones that I know about already. So many jobs. Um, one of them, the one that I took some time off uh, from was uh, I I work for a music school on the weekends. I'm sort of their like administrative assistant on the weekends. Um, and I just needed, <laughs> needed to have my weekends free. I mean, partially because the Alt MBA is all day on Sundays. So I knew I couldn't like, I literally wouldn't be able to do both. Um, but I also just knew I would need the space. And for people that don't know, uh, shout out to Seth Godin. Um, yes. When, so when did you start the Alt MBA? Uh, I started the Alt MBA uh, in towards the end of July. I think July 20th was the first day. And it's been amazing. It's been such a cool experience and I've learned so much from so many people. Um, it's basically what it sounds like, an alternative MBA program. You do learn things about business, but all through a very Seth Godin lens, which is much more through a lens of empathy and creativity and, you know, right up our alleys. So it's been really great. Mm-hmm. And how long does the program go for? Um, it's just over a month. It's like four weeks and a half. So this is the end of the fourth week. Um, so I think it wraps up on Wednesday, which will be August 19th, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Um, and one of the other things, of course, that you do uh, is the Dreaded Question yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, when does the next season of that start? That's a fabulous question that I haven't totally decided yet, but it'll probably be coming in October. I'm 
super excited for season three already. I just really needed a little bit of a break after season two. And I really wanted to be able to devote my full attention to the Alt-MBA and not be, you know, stressing about also organizing, uh, you know, times to record with guests and all of the fun stuff that comes with having a podcast, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be able to take the time to be really intentional about the guests that I have on and the order in which I release the episodes. I really wanted to be able to take my time with that and really feel ready to hold space for, for my guests. So I'm really glad that I've taken a little bit of time. Uh, and now when the Alt MBA ends, I'm going to be focusing much more on, on that and scheduling my guests and getting some episodes in the can ready to go because uh, the end of season two was really fun and really interesting in a cool way for me, but it was entirely unplanned. I had intended to end season two back in April. And then when everything happened with COVID, I started realizing that this was not the time to stop communicating with TDQ's listeners and that this was a message that people needed to hear more than ever, really. And so every episode that I was releasing was an episode I was recording on the fly and editing very quickly, which was really cool. And I found that a lot more people were reaching out to me to talk to me about being on on the podcast, which was cool. And so I just was sort of saying yes and to that and just trusting that anyone who would reach out and be you know, interested would have alignment and it definitely worked. I mean, I got some amazing guests on the show during that time, but it just ended up feeling like I was constantly playing catch up. So I'm looking forward to getting a little more ahead of things. And do you work with um, anybody else on the podcast? No, I do everything for the podcast by myself, which is definitely crazy pants, but I... It works for me so far. I definitely sometimes scream in frustration and tell myself that I should get an editor. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's something that I know how to do. I know how to edit. It's part of the reason I even started a podcast. And it's something that I feel that I'm really good at. And it's something that I really do enjoy doing. It's just, it's more the anticipation of it. I'm like, oh God, I have to edit so many episodes. I don't, I don't want to. And then I start and it's so much better than I imagined it to be. But I do feel like it's such a big part and I don't know how much you edit your episodes. So I don't know how much maybe you feel this way too, but I do feel like it's a big part of the storytelling, storytelling element of podcasting is really crafting their message in such a way that it's crystal clear and all that they all that really needs to be shared of what they have to say is the meat of what they're saying the true reality of what it is that they do and have to offer and and I love really just getting it straight to that I think it helps so much Mm -hmm. yeah mine is uh long form um so I pretty much the actual conversations don't edit unless sometimes somebody realizes like one time somebody was like yeah i only make this much for this uh publication or whatever that i work for and they're like oh could we take that out and it's like absolutely the point is not to get anybody in trouble (laughs) um but um yeah for me both my own flaws and my own ramblings and stuff like that i hope will improve over time 
um, I'm fine with sharing. Um, but I, yeah, I, I see the value of both. And also maybe it's just lazy on my part, <laughs> like <laughs> not wanting to edit more than I have to. Um, but also like I was kind of modeled it off of uh, like WTF was like one of the first uh-huh. podcasts I started listening to. And so I was like, oh, that, there we go. I could do that, like an intro right. and outro. When yeah. you started, did you plan to do seasons? I sort of assumed that I would need to do seasons just because, again, doing it on your own, it is a lot of work. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to burn out and get to the point where I dreaded you know, making these episodes. Um, but I didn't necessarily plan it in such a way where I was like, okay, first season, I'll do this number of episodes. I just kind of let it flow. And when I felt like I was reaching a natural stopping point, then I realized it's probably a good time to end it. But I didn't plan what exactly what the first season was going to look like. And then after season one, I was you know, it was kind of more of the same for season two. And then mm-hmm. obviously things went not according to plan and I ended up going a lot longer than I intended to, but I kind of like to let the seasons evolve on their own. They usually end up being around 20 episodes, but I like to just kind of let it be what it's going to be and see where the season naturally takes me. Nice. Yeah, I, speaking on the, you know, doing it on the fly, like I didn't necessarily think I was going to do seasons per se Mm -hmm. and I was speaking with uh the Bushwick star and asking kind of in this day and age where um there used to be like pilot season for example um where so many things were programmed by other people like kind of what's the point of doing a season anyway because like Hmm. like shows and like if it's like an ongoing thing you don't need to But then as I was talking to them, I realized a good thing about doing the season is you can kind of pause and reflect and at least set goals on maybe, you know, what you want to like build on going forward. Um, It's hard to do if you don't ever pause. So, yeah. Right. Totally. And especially when you have a guest format show, I Mm -hmm. feel like the pauses sort of come a little bit more naturally if if you have a podcast that's just you or you and the same person every week or something, I think it's a little bit different. But when you have a guest format, I mean, there's a lot more balls in the air and a lot more things to keep track of. So I think taking the time to sort of reflect is really important. I will tell you, I just recently started working with a sidekick. Um, that's where we're going with for now. I love that. Um, super, like not, not very many hours, but just like this was just the first week. And for me, it did help um, clear some like mental space for me. Um, And I think it'll be really cool going forward. So that's another thing because the burnout is real. It certainly is. And yes, I love this term sidekick. I might have to steal it because I'm well aware that I need one. Even, Even if it weren't someone to help me with the podcast, I just need one in my life in general. That's kind of how I'm approaching it. Like the yeah. podcast is a focus just because as you know, like the scheduling right. and coordination um, can be more of a headache than I, like that's probably the biggest headache. And then yeah. making myself edit when mm-hmm. I'm supposed to. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, 
So with all of these things going on, with Alt-MBA wrapping up, what's kind of, like, what are you excited about um, coming up? Ooh, I'm excited about a lot of things. There's a lot that's come from, I mean, as you can imagine, there's a lot that's come from the experience of the Alt-MBA. I've learned so much and I'm really excited to sort of take a beat and sit with some of the things that have come up for me. Um, there have been a lot of aha moments and it's hard to process so many aha moments coming at you at once. And so I'm really excited to sort of reflect on all of that uh, and see where that where that path is going to take me. But one thing I'm definitely working on is I'm still figuring out what I want to call it because I love being super intentional with what I call things. But right now, basically kind of an overhaul and rebrand of my website, who I am, what I do. Um, a really generous call out that I received from a learning group member of mine in the Alt-MBA was that right now my website is an actor's website with other stuff squeezed in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's absolutely right. It was such a generous call out and he doesn't even know anything. He's not even a theater person. Like he doesn't really know what an actor's website is, but he's like, I look at this and I'm like, this person's an actor. And I guess she kind of does some other things too. And you know, the big aha for me there was that what I, you know, sort of preach is not separating the different elements of yourself, having bringing your artistic self to everything that you do, including your parallel career, even if it's outside of theater. So why am I then on my website making it such separated, delineated things and clearly prioritizing one thing over everything else? So uh, I'm working with someone to sort of hone in on what that is, what my offerings combined create, and how to market that and present that on a website. So I'm really, really excited about that. It's been very illuminating work already. Um, and I'm also looking forward to another round of the Doing It Also workshop. Uh, I haven't officially announced a date for the next round of it, but I definitely will be soon. It will be coming up probably in mid-September. Uh, and that workshop, as you well know, is a workshop to help people find their parallel careers. And round one for me was so inspiring and illuminating and just amazing. I loved the group of people who participated and I learned so much about how I want it to work moving forward and a whole other offering grew out of that that I didn't even expect called the parallel path, which is helping people move their parallel careers forward. So I'm really excited to keep that going and keep that growing and see where it'll end up because the work that you and so many of the other people in that community are doing is just endlessly exciting and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, going back just a little bit, work, I'm also working with, um, Sarah right now. She, she like specifically was working on, she wanted to kind of for a demo work on somebody's like multi hyphenate website. So I jumped up for that one. Um, but also, yeah, trying to figure out what the story is as it is ever evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, I do feel like like through um, doing it also, Parallel Path, um, everything at JW, just kind of everything 
over the whole, whole COVID time yeah. for me has been like this uh, ever crystallizing like moment of clarity. And one thing that I kind of am playing with in Seattle, like it's about like the storytelling theme. Yeah. Um, and basically I believe that um, we all tell stories um, we tell stories to relate to people, but we also tell stories so that we can better see and understand ourselves through telling it to others. So, um, our question for you is kind of, what is it now? And this, you know, with understanding it's ever evolving, but like just today, us talking, what would you describe, um, what it is that you do and like what you want to do. Like, what, are, what do you feel called to do right now? Yeah. That's Ooh. clear. That's a great question. In, in sort of a, I don't know, not metaphorical, but in, in fluffy words, I would say that what I really feel called to do is to help other people shine their magic, their light, whatever you want to call it, but the thing that makes them uniquely special. And that manifests itself in everything that I do, including being a director, including being an actor, but also in helping people find their parallel careers. Because I think when we limit ourselves so much to saying, no, I'm an actor, I'm just an actor, I'm just an artist, this is all I do, there's so much potential left untapped, both for yourself, but also for your impact on the world. And I think that something that our world really needs right now is artists and our skills and perspectives and contributions and let me just say that is only being confirmed in the Alt MBA. I'm only hearing from people that what we have to offer is valuable outside of our artistry. And I want to empower people to believe in that. Because the other element of this is I believe that the more each person shines their light, their magic, their the things that make them uniquely themselves, other people see that and then begin to believe that there's that same magic within themselves. And that is the real impact of that work, I believe. That it's not only about it's not only about you figuring out how to shine your magic, but how when Alec shines his magic, someone else sees that and says maybe I'm magic too. And so, you know, again, I, I understand that that's kind of fluffy language, but the reality of what that looks like to me is a combination of coaching and facilitating. And for me, what that really means is just holding space for people and encouraging them to continue delving deeper into who they are and what they do and continuing to sort of broaden, broaden the scope and broaden their perspective about who they are. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that, that reminds me, like kind of an important thing about that is, like I definitely believe in that and I don't think it's fluffy at all. Um, I was talking to somebody recently um, on the podcast, I think, and 
asking the question kind of like, how are you doing during this? It's like how I've started with a lot of people, especially if I haven't seen them for a while. And also like, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. There's a siren going on right now. <laughs> at the back door open. Um, so if you see me looking around, it's, the dogs are kind of going crazy. But um, there really is like a lot going on. And so sometimes this is really true anytime, but it feels like a heightened time of awareness of just sort of like, oh, I need to be more intentional about like checking in with people before we just get into things because sometimes something can come up like really quickly right now, anytime. Yeah. But I think that's like been to me kind of a, a blessing to all of this is like the ruts that we find ourselves in or the limitations that we put on ourselves um, in pre-COVID times, it can feel like change is impossible or out of reach. And then the whole world changes overnight. Um, and you realize really the impermanence of, of everything, like everything is constant change. Um, we just all went through it collectively together. Um, and what I was getting at before I got distracted by the siren was <laughs> that sometimes um, I've talked to people who feel shame for feeling good, mm. like for being okay during this time. Mm. Um, and so for me, sometimes trying to tell people like, it's okay to feel good also, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so true. And, and I do understand that because I, I think I felt a little bit of that as well, especially when you know, some friends or some people will say like, oh, it seems like you're doing really great in this time. Sometimes in general, that makes me self-conscious of like, what is it that I'm doing that seems like I'm doing so great? But also, yeah, there's guilt around like, this is a horrific time for a lot of people. And so to be finding joy or success of any kind in this time feels uncomfortable and in some ways maybe wrong. But what I would encourage anyone who's feeling that way to think about is what is it about this time that's making you good? What is it about this time that you're feeling whatever it is that you're feeling that that's bringing you something positive? Is it the ability to take a freaking breath and spend some time at home and pause for a second and focus more on your creativity. I know for some people, this has been a really creatively fueled time, especially I think a lot of us in the JWS community. So what is it? Because it's a great time to collect that data of what's going well, what's successful for you, because, you know, when things eventually not return to normal, because that will never happen, but when we are able to live our lives a little bit more freely again, you could maintain some of that success, some of those things that have been going well for you. Maybe you learned for the first time in your life that you're someone who can work remotely and who actually enjoys working remotely. And that's important information for you to have. So I get, I do get the guilt or shame that can come with those feelings, but I think it's important, important data for us to collect. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I experienced doing, like during, I can't remember if it was doing it also or parallel path, just kind of getting clear with what it is that you want. Cause I think that's the, mm -hmm. that's the reason why it's so important to 
be okay like when you're okay and like <laughs> enjoy that moment yeah. like as Seth Godin says like dips are going to come so don't waste the good times like feeling bad about them you know what I mean right. oh completely um, I so I you know still figuring everything out but kind of realizing I've I love being home with my dogs um, as much as I miss performing and working with other people in a collaborative sense, um, I do love being home writing and creating and just being at home, like cooking for me and my wife and like hanging out with the dogs. So the idea of a remote job um, was super appealing to me. And yeah. then like within our community, uh, Ariella put up, a notice about life insurance and that it was all remote and so I decided to try that out and I have no idea what it's actually going to be like mm -hmm. um, I just knew I wasn't even burned out per se with um, bartending as a survival job I just think there's I've done it for a long time and there's like a limit to like the earning potential mm -hmm. um also having to go there and be at a place versus not having to be in yeah. a physical place um and then another thing is as a artist and as a creative and somebody who within that part of who i am i want to be a producer and mm -hmm. i was, as i was working through like the final parts of like the licensing um for the insurance I realized a funny thing about it that I kind of connected a dot um, going into it is that like one thing lacking in me being a producer is kind of the financial expertise. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think like what I bring to a producer is like bringing people together and being able to conceptualize and just kind of put things together and make them work. Um, but the financial thing was like an obvious thing. And so that was like, okay, this is like a good way to understand more about how this very big part of our system works. Like it affects our union, all these different yeah. things. And then realizing that within um, insurance, the broader term of an agent is actually producer. Right. So it's just funny when you explore things um there are connections that are already there so it's like i you know i have mixed feelings about putting ceo on a business card or on your website when it's like a thing that you're like it's your right. thing you know what i mean I do um, that. It's, everybody can be a ceo everybody right. is a producer in a way mm -hmm. um but it is kind of cool to be like oh this is a job that's also like is called producers so yes I don't know if I had a point of that but just well I, don't know. I have a point of that <laughs> <laughs> I what I love about what you just said is that you know I don't know how you thought about your parallel sources of income before I don't really know how you felt about bartending but what I what you're exemplifying so well here is 
the perspective shift that makes the difference between a survival job and what I call a thrival job. So a survival job is literally just that. You do it because it pays you money so that you may survive, and that's literally it. But a thrival job is cumulative. It's adding up to something. It's giving you skills that you want to utilize in another area of your life, potentially a parallel career or maybe even your primary career. But what I love about what you just said is, I don't know if you ever imagined yourself being involved in life insurance in any way, shape, or form, but you've, you're, you're already finding connections as to how that can apply itself to other areas of your life and how this work that you're doing that is paying you money so that you may survive can also be adding up to something else that you're actively interested in and that uses your unique skills and abilities. And to me, that is just like, that is the meat of the mindset shift that I'm trying to instill in people is that if you can't find those things, if you can't find those alignments, if it's really not doing anything for you other than allowing you to survive, then it's not worth your time. But you are able to make those connections and see those connections because you have such a deep sense of what you're interested in and what you want to work towards and what the knowledge gaps are. And that's everything. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody else in our community the other day who's also um, exploring this and she was kind of asking how I was like, cause at first I was plowing through the licensing material. Sure. Um, and then one important part of this is that I could have done it qu- like probably quicker, mm-hmm. um, but I had other creative deadlines coming up for projects that are like very important to me and part of the reason of wanting to find like this thrival job whatever that ends up being like hopefully this is it and you know who knows where where it goes um I'm just also I keep saying that just to manage expectations um just because I just don't know so far so good um but I was driving myself to a point where um to meet that self-imposed deadline um for that thing and keep up with the other artistic deadlines that are very important to me and like what it's all for um Mm -hmm. i was i would have made myself miserable and so i don't remember what happened but something just said sort of said what are you why are you you know that was an ambitious deadline but it was more of like a ego driven deadline for no no purpose and so then i like realized um take a step back like you don't like that's not an you know what i mean that can't be the priority over the create creative projects. So Right. Well, and especially just trying to cram in that training, whatever that looked like, isn't really a long game mindset. It's right. that's sort of what you do for your survival jobs. You learn the menu, you memorize the things, you take the tests, and then it, it is what it is. But, you know, pushing through it just to say that you're done with it, that's not gonna get you the skills. I mean I'm sure part of that training included skills that you actively want and need in your other pursuits. So rushing through it wasn't going to help in that way either. And like you said, it wasn't helping your creative projects either. So it's amazing you were able to have that level of intentionality about it. 
Um, so you mentioned artistically. I want to jump back here just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, acting and directing, those are two primary things. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, directing definitely is. Directing is something that I was very actively working towards and pursuing before COVID. And I really had the aha moment just a few weeks ago that for me, acting has really become more of a thrival job. It's become something that has helped me learn and train how to be a better director. And it's it helps me to gain connections that open directing doors for me. And it, I, you know, I can pretty confidently say that it's no longer, you know, my primary, primary career path, that directing is, is much more of a priority for me and much more where I see myself long-term, but, but acting really does fill pretty much all the qualifications for a thrival job. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Like, I don't, I was going to say when things get back to normal, but there's going to be a new normal. So kind of what now, like, let's say, what does like a year from now ideally look like for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ideally, a year from now, we will have a vaccine and people will be vaccinated and our world will will look a bit different. And I hope that as far as our industry is concerned, that we will be collectively rebuilding and actively making conscious choices about what we do want to pull from our old world and what we're ready to leave behind. And there are a lot of things that I think we can definitely leave behind. And... I hope that a lot more people are part of the conversations. I hope that the room where it happens, as it were, is less of a thing and that actors specifically are brought into the conversation more. I think our needs are always bottom of the totem pole as actors, and that's no longer acceptable. Um, I also hope that I'm continuing to build towards a world where actors are even more empowered because they have amazing and supportive parallel careers that they love and therefore don't feel so desperate for acting work. And I think that that will, you know, that would have the power to culminate into an industry that values actors a bit more and where we're, again, not at the bottom of the totem pole all the time and that our needs are considered because theaters are going to have to compete with people's parallel careers. And how empowering is that? That it's no longer, well, you're an actor, you're desperate for work, you're going to take the $300 a week I'm going to give you. Where actors can actually say like, no, thank you, I'm not interested in that. Or potentially, even if they really want to, I suppose, afford to take the $300 because they have a parallel career that supports them. But hopefully, you know, it will light a fire under theater companies and producers to pay actors what they're worth and and again just rebuilding towards a more inclusive space of belonging that we always claimed theater was and working towards actually making that a reality and you know I obviously I think there'll be a lot of changes with the union and with the way auditions are run one thing I would really love to see is 
that auditions not be held only during the nine to five hours so that everyone's forced to have a job at night. Um, I think that that's really antiquated and it's not working for a lot of people and there's not really a need for that. So I, yeah, I really just hope that we'll all be working together to redesign the way our industry works. And I also think it'd be really cool to see some regional hubs kind of grow and thrive out of this and to not have New York be the sort of epicenter of theater any longer, or at least not in such a disproportionate way. I was kind of feeling that way before COVID happened that, I don't know, there were just a few productions I saw where I just was sort of haunted by the feeling that theater in New York isn't really brave anymore because it's just preaching to the choir. And I don't know how brave that is and how much more impactful these messages would be in in other cities that need to hear and absorb these messages. So I would really love to see other cities really have theater markets that grow and flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of stuff do you like directing? I mean, I'm definitely a musical theater girl. I think that music is empathy incarnate. And I just think that it is the clearest way to get to the heart of something and to make people feel. And so for me, musicals are are really where it's at. It's where I think I shine the most. And I'm really lit up by new work. I love new work. And I also love looking at old work, I guess, stories that we've told a lot in new ways, because I think that has so much power to change someone's mind or alter their perspective or help them just look at the world in new ways that they've never thought of. I think that's the gift that we have as theater makers. Whereas, you know, I remember I was at like a party or something once with a woman who was a producer in film and we were having a really great conversation and I was just talking to her a little bit about theater and she said, you know, I've never really thought about the fact that as a theater artist, you guys just tell the same stories over and over. Like how many times has Oklahoma been done? And like, that's crazy. That must be so weird to know that you're telling stories that have already been told. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole reason that your goal can't just be to tell it the way it's always been told. Like, I think it can be such a gift to take something familiar that people know and think they understand and then reframe it in a totally new way. I think that is really magical. And if you're just, again, preserving the way it's always been, you're really missing out. Mm -hmm. Um, That connects back to something I've been thinking about, which is, the other thing that happens when people want to try something new, have like a new idea, try a new path, tell a new story, sort of the, it's not imposter syndrome, it's just sort of, um, it's been done before. Yes. And then I think the difference is like, yeah, like there's no new story under the sun. However, it's never been told the way you could tell it before exactly yes it's so true and yeah if anything if you're just trying to tell it the way someone else told it you're not going to do it as well as they did especially if they were authentic to themselves then you're really not going to succeed so you might as well try to tell it differently Mm -hmm. 
I see that, um, and there are a number of people within our Jen Waldman community who, uh, you know, because we do the mindset work, right. um, want maybe to do the some some aspect of like motivational speaking. Mm. Um, the fear of that is though I do see people on Instagram where it's like, okay, this is you took the Tony Robbins course right? and you are doing your best Tony Robbins. And some of them are pretty good. <laughs> they're not Tony Robbins. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's him. Right. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, what's, what's you? Cause exactly. it'd be better. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier, right? It's, it's getting to the magic of who you are, getting to the core of who you are and presenting that because yeah, Tony Robbins is a huge personality and no one can do, no one can do Tony like Tony. So, you know, trying is just setting yourself up for failure, but you know, similarly, no one can do Alec like Alec. So why not just own that and, and be, you know, as, as cheesy in kindergarten as it sounds, be the best Alec you can be. That's true though. Comes back to what we learned in kindergarten. <laughs> um, so did you sign up for the alt mba before covid or during covid and a follow-up question to that is what's kind of been one of the biggest like changes for you or like realizations during covid during covid Mm -hmm. yeah so i signed up for the alt mba after covid it was it was something I had thought about before, and a fellow JWSer, Jenna Pastuzic, had taken it, and I knew that she had really enjoyed it. But I always kind of hemmed Jen and did hawed. it too, right? That's- uh, yeah, Jen Waldman's also done it. Yeah, um, that's where she met Peter Shepard, mm-hmm. and Peter Shepard is my coach, and. I love and adore him and knew that anything that helped him be the purple cow that he is, to use a Seth Godin-ism, had to be pretty magical and special and something that I probably wanted to be part of. And I knew that I wanted to know more about business, which is such a broad term. I like laugh at myself every time I say business people, like what does that even mean? But I knew that I wanted to do it in a way that aligned with me and the Alt MBA seemed perfect. And now I didn't have, you know, my calendar was pretty free now. All the things that I had been looking forward to were off the calendar. So I really had kind of a day where I was like, this is the moment. If I'm going to do this, the time is now. So I'm very grateful for that. That's been one of the ways in which this time has been good for me to clear space for other opportunities Um, I think what this time in COVID has done for me as well is, I mean, honestly, really validated the change that I seek to make in, in so many ways, uh, with my podcast, as I mentioned, I just, as soon as I saw what was happening and Broadway was closed and restaurants were closed, like the survival jobs and the primary career paths were both gone for people and babysitting so much of the time that was also gone. And so I, the, the moment of realization was like, Oh my gosh, this is, 
the moment for the change that I seek to make. This is, people are going to be more receptive to this idea now more than they ever have. And then, you know, through taking the LTMBA, what that has done is then solidified for me that what I'm telling people is true. I believed it wholeheartedly before I took the LTMBA, but now I'm hearing business people tell me in my small learning groups every single week, different people every single week, telling me, yeah, business people need creative people. Business people need what artists have to offer. There is an opportunity in the fact that actors aren't at work right now. They're, you know, the skills that you have are valuable. One my one of my very first learning groups, one of my very first interactions with someone, he said to me, yeah, you know, I, I know that you feel like you have so many knowledge gaps, but yours are easy to fill. If it's like business knowledge, take a business course. You'll fill it right. in a few weeks. But for me, how do I learn to be vulnerable and creative like you? I don't know how to do that. And that was such a light bulb for me. It was like the perfect thing he could have said to me in my very first day of the LTMBA. And, you know, since then it's just been confirmation after confirmation that the world would be a better place if artists shown their light outside of their artistry and into the corners of the business world. Mm -hmm. So I know you're going to take like a pause after like now, and I'm sort of trying to do that or I'm clearing some space. Um, but I sort of also kind of know what is immediately next or at least what's right now. Um, do you have an idea of like what's next or like what you wanted, what direction you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, I know that I want to invest more fully, like I said, in my sort of rebranding or whatever I'm going to end up calling that and making That's my... not a little thing, by the way. Like oh, I no. just, you know, I started going by Alec the third and it's like a little thing. That's yeah. just like a part of it. But like, again, like I think telling the story more clearly Yes. Both helps communicate to other people. And again, like it clarifies it to you. Like it's this ever expanding, realizing thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've done like 10% of the work right now and I've already learned so much about myself and what exactly I'm doing. And so it's definitely a huge undertaking that I'm working on, but I'm also hoping that what it will result in is me especially taking a little bit of time after the LTMBA to get clear on, okay, so what am I offering to business people? If I'm telling my clients through doing it also in the parallel path that our offerings do pivot into the business world and are relevant in the business world, then what does that look like for me? How am I going to walk that talk? And I feel a lot clearer and a lot stronger on my offerings for artists right now and I can acknowledge that for me, a constraint that I'm putting on myself is only offering what I do to artists because I charge a low rate for my work to artists. I know that my work is worth more. I'm aware of that, but I do it on purpose because 
I understand my who's it for. I know my demographic, especially in this time. I'm not really comfortable charging a lot more than that. And I want, I, so much of my belief is that everything that you do comes together and fuels and feeds who you are. So I want people who take my class to also be able to do a month at Jen Waldman's studio. And I want them to also be able to do the reach out party with Carly or do a Y discovery with Becca. Like those things are important to me. And so if I'm charging, you know, way more money, if I'm charging truly what this is worth, then it would limit their ability to do that. And I think that they would end up getting less out of my class. So my dream is to be able to charge business people what I know they can afford and what I know my worth is worth, what my work is worth. And then be able to continue to offer what I do for artists at this lower rate. So that needs to become a huge priority so that I can take some of the other things that I do for money off of my plate and really lean into and grow the offerings that I care so much about for artists and continue to make the change that I seek to make in the business world as well. Nice. I'm going to close the door real quick because there's a yeah. drum circle now next door. And we love a that, drum circle. I, I love it, but not, not <laughs> right, right now. Uh, and I have a very uh, important question for you. I'm excited. Um, which I kind of know it. I like, I know it, but it's been a while um, since I, asked it or really zeroed in on it. So what is the dreaded question? A fabulous question. I love it. Well, the literal dreaded question is, so what are you up to? Because I think we've all experienced that at some point at an audition or at an alumni gathering. Those seem to be the top two places where people really clam up. And I I'm just so fascinated with how such a benign question makes people just crumble. And so this idea to have a podcast where we literally open with that and talk about that was really interesting and exciting to me. And the reason that it became a podcast that featured artists with parallel careers is because I had this whole hypothesis that artists with parallel careers would not feel the dread surrounding the dreaded question. Yeah, yeah. That was something that, um, so when I started acting again after taking like a break, I knew somehow that I, I initially didn't know it was gonna be a podcast. Like, so Bushwick Variety Show, the whole idea was going to be, um, regular variety shows and uh-huh. then I wanted something to kind of be more consistent um right. and because I didn't want to do a weekly open mic I've done that kind of thing before um but I wanted something that could be like a performance thing for people and then I was right. listening to podcasts and I was like oh this makes sense totally. and then um but it was like at the same time I was like deciding whether I was going to be serious about um getting back into acting like professionally and my wife knew that I wanted to do acting and so didn't really understand at that time why I was like starting a podcast also at the same time and I was like 
as an artist, I feel it's important. And I didn't know how it would work exactly, um, but one of the, like, there have been three kind of um, artistic development homes for me over the past three years. And they are the Shelter Theater Company, Jen Waldman Studios, and Actors Launchpad. And Actors Launchpad I found from somebody else I did a play in, and it was just sort of like, I didn't really want to do the one-on-one thing. Um, I wasn't against it. I was just sort of, I don't know who I want to work with, and I don't totally like the idea of putting anybody up on a pedestal to where it's like, oh, I can't wait till this person goes, and then I'm going to sign up, and then I'm going to try to impress them. That's why I ended up taking a break from acting, was that. And that's why I think a lot of people that question, um, what are you up to, brings out the worst part and why I think actors get a bad reputation is that what are you up to and you start listing off your resume and it's kind of Mm -hmm. trying to one up like you end up one upping people like if you go down that path of like name dropping just all the Mm -hmm. icky stuff you know the stuff that's not cool Um, and it doesn't make you feel good either as the person oh, saying that, you like leave and you're like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. Even while you're saying it, you're just like, yeah. why am I saying it? Um, and, and so then I went to, so Actors Launchpad, it's like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if everybody has this experience, but my experience there is like, I've been able to like make community there. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's like a monthly charge which is less than like any individual class at like those those other ones yeah um it's like they do have like things with agents they do have things with casting directors there's also like an actor's gem um there's these different things there's free self-taping so there's like a lot of resources that i kind of primarily focus on um but they also had these mixers in the beginning, these networking events. And I was like, I hate networking events. Um, But I was like, but I need to, I know this is part of the thing that I didn't want to do. And it is a part of acting. It is a part of theater. It is a part of collaborative art forms where you have to, it helps if you know people. Um, But how do you do that? Not in a gross way. And so, I'm at the event and I realized as I meet people, it was like right when I was launching the podcast or had just launched the podcast, I was like, you know what? Instead of talking about acting, I'm going to talk about, like when people ask like about me, I'm going to talk about the podcast. Yes. And also if any, like, cause it's also like an invitation. And so then at that event, like, Cause I'd have the experience talking to people and they're like, Oh, I, excuse me. I have to go talk to that. That's a casting director. And I'm just oh, sort of like, yes. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I'm kind of like looking around and I see a guy who seems like involved with actors launchpad somehow. And I'm like, Oh, so what's your deal? And he's like, Oh, he's one of the co-founders of actors launchpad. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I just started a podcast. I'd love to have you on it. And basically that, like, we ended up over time, he came on it. 
but it created a whole thing where um, that place, which could feel gross, has, for me at least, become a community. Yeah. And then what I've tried to do, what you're talking about, like the the effect one person can has is like when there's a new person there, I just always try to welcome people. Yes. You know, I don't get paid oh, to do so that. It's just sort of like this is community. Yeah, that's what it's about for me. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and and I love what you said about about those mixers because. I, yeah, I do think it's also so much more interesting to hear someone talk about, especially something they're creating, like a podcast. And it's actually, let me tell you, when whenever I do any events like that and people will be like, so what are you up to? I'll be like, so funny, you should ask. I actually have a podcast about that very question. It's called The Dreaded Question. And it sort of illuminates to them that that question sucks <laughs> and please stop asking it. But we can kind of laugh about it and they'll usually end up saying like, oh yeah, I actually hate when people ask that. I don't even know why I said it. And Mm -hmm. then hopefully what I'm hoping is maybe the rest of the mixer, they're walking around asking a different question because sometimes I'll say, yeah, "Yeah, you know, there's like some other questions that I like to ask and I'll share with them and hopefully they pocket those and use them the rest of the mixer. But it's, it's meta, but kind of hilarious and is always a good icebreaker. And again, so much more interesting than sharing your resume, like you said. What are some of the questions that you prefer asking or that you think are good icebreakers? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on the situation, right? Especially in a, in a networking event like that. uh, A recommendation that someone made to me, I think on, on my podcast, I'm blanking on who it was. It might've been Katie Lynch, uh, recommended asking, where are you from originally? And that's a really great icebreaker actually, because people love talking about their hometowns weirdly. Um, and usually you'll have some sort of connection to that place. Like, Oh, my aunt lives in Colorado or, you know, there's, there's some level of connection there that you can talk about and it makes people feel oddly seen. Um, uh, one that I, there are a lot of questions that I like to ask people. If I know people better, I prefer to ask them about something specific. Um, so something from like the last conversation that I had with them or, or even something that I saw on Instagram, you know, even though social media can be such a surface level fake world, asking someone more about something that you saw on Instagram can get you a fuller sense of the story. And, you know, even though the result might be like a really pretty picture with like their cute new dog, like opening, allowing them the opportunity to open up about the experience of maybe adopting that dog can actually be so beautiful rather than like the limited number of words or characters that you get uh, on, on social media. So that's something that I really enjoy doing because it gives me the fuller picture of who they are and um, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, so sometimes if I know I'm going to see someone, I might stalk them a little bit first to uh, get an idea of what they've been doing. But I, I think the more specific, the better. And if there's really something that you want to know, because we've unpacked a lot on on the dreaded question that a lot of what's behind, so what are you up to, is almost a fear of asking anything more specific than that and sort of trying to give the ASCII the permission to open up whichever door they like. But if there's something you really want to know, then 
just ask that. And if they don't want to talk about it, they'll probably tell you or tap dance out of it. But it's so much more generous than something generic. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, there's um, generosity and specificity, even if it's, like, feels like you shouldn't ask. Yeah. Like, really, you can ask anything. Like, people will tell you, like, people don't have to answer, and people yeah. will tell you if that's too personal or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, better better than beating around the bush and being awkward and, like, talking around something. Just right. cut to the chase. Yeah, like someone I don't even know that well the other day texted me out of the blue and was like, how's your grandmother doing? I, I heard that she had fallen. And I was like, so touched that someone I don't even know very well specifically asked me that question rather than being like, how are you doing? You know, and kind of shying away from it. I probably wouldn't have been like, oh, my grandmother. <laughs> but the fact that he so directly asked me that made me feel like he really cared and actually made me feel a lot closer to him than I was before that text. What do you think of the question, um, like, what do you do? Ooh, yeah. Um, Peter Shepard actually said that that's the, like, business world dreaded question is what do you do? It's, it's an interesting question. I think, again, it kind of depends on context. But uh, a lot of my dad's family still lives in Italy, so we we visit them a lot in Italy. And uh, I took my husband the last time we went, and he we like we went back and like went to bed, and he was like, "No one in your family asks us about work at all, or like any any of your family members. Like they don't ask your parents. Like they don't talk about work." And I was like, "Yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? <laughs> like it's so." amazing that other cultures don't identify so deeply with their work that that's like the first identifier is like so what do you do for a living and at the same time I, maybe i'm just a product of the culture you know the united states culture but i i am so interested in what people do because yeah so much of the work that I do with artists is helping them find their parallel careers. So hearing about other people's career paths is really interesting to me, but I get why it can be cringy. And, and I think it makes people feel better to know that artists also find that question cringy. Like a lot of us actually don't like talking about being an actor and they think we have such interesting jobs. And the fact that we still don't like to talk about it actually makes them feel better. But I definitely think it's not the most interesting question, but I think there are ways to approach it with a little bit more generosity and specificity. Um, even just as simple as being like, so what do you do for a living? I'm always so fascinated by, you know, what, how people spend their days or something. I, yeah, cause I don't mind the question. Um, but lately I've been struggling with the answer just because yeah. it's like, well, how much time do you have? You know? <laughs> Um, exactly. But I was just thinking, like, maybe, like, probably the concise thing I would say right now is, like, creative artist. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because yeah, that's <laughs> vague, actually. It is it's specific <laughs> in its meaning to me, but it's vague. Um, what, what do you, do you think you would have an answer to that? Well... I mean, in the Alt-MBA, people ask me every, every time we change learning groups, so I must have an answer. I'm pretty sure I usually say I'm a theater artist and a podcast host. 
even though the podcast isn't really what I do for a living, but it, it has branched into a lot of the work that I do for a living. Um, but if I have an opportunity to delve a little bit deeper into it, I'll, I'll talk more about like the parallel career work. Um, and usually people will want to know more about the podcast, the, the theater stuff. They'll be like, Oh, that sucks for you right now. Doesn't it? Well, tell me about the podcast. So it, it can open doors for sure. Which reminds me, um, it was Seth Godin, I think on Simon Sinek's podcast recently, I could be wrong, but it was definitely, I, it was, I think it was that, because I think it was a conversation they were having where they were talking about what an entrepreneur is. And one kind of term or idea that Seth, I'd never heard him say this before, but it's kind of what he's been alluding to for a long time. And I think it's something that both you and I kind of have in common in what we're doing um, is the idea of a social entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. it's like, so the podcast is entrepreneurial in a way, but it's not, it's not like the purpose isn't to make money. And I was talking about this the other day also, like I would, I think there is a goal that I have for the podcast to monetize it a little bit more, um, but more to free up more time and creative space. Um, but the goal of the podcast really, and most of the work is social impact. Um, right. And then I do believe like, yeah, if you create value, like I, I do think it comes around actually. Um, yes. That's that whole holistic business idea. Um, but yeah, like the social entrepreneur, I think is an interesting thing. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I feel like I've never heard it phrased that way, but it, it makes sense. And, and, you know, whenever I talk to people about podcasting, I, a, a lot of times I'll, I'll be asked like, oh, so like, do you make a lot of money from it or do you make any money from it? And what I try to remind people is that podcasting is a, or podcasts are a marketing tool. And so really what they're for is marketing whatever it is that you offer. And for mm -hmm. people like you and me, I, I would say that what we're marketing is the change that we seek to make. We are marketing the, our worldview. We're marketing the way that we want the world to be. And you know, for me, that has turned into now these workshops and so now that I have this platform that I've built, I can utilize that to market my workshops, but it's not really what it's about for me. The idea to me is that the podcast's content should in and of itself encourage people to want something more for themselves than just a survival job. And so in theory, I shouldn't really need to quote unquote market the workshops on the podcast because if I'm doing it right, if it's really for them, they should already want it. So all I should have to do is quickly mention it and then that should be enough. But what I'm right. mainly focused on is getting my message across. Mm -hmm. um, where's the best place for people to follow you? And I know that website's gonna be transforming or is in the process, yes. um, but still, where's the best place for people to? Yeah, 
to hit me up. Well, I definitely recommend taking a look at my website right now so you can see the change eventually because hopefully it will be big and mighty. Uh, Instagram is really the only social media I actually use. My personal Instagram is Lily, L-I-L-I underscore Torre, T-O-R-R-E. And the Dreaded Questions Instagram is at the Dreaded Question. And uh, you'll find a link to my website at my personal Instagram. And you can always hit me up via my contact form. Um, and is there anything else you want to talk about today? Um, I want to talk about how awesome you are and how amazing you are to have in any community, whether it's JWS, where I'm just a fellow participant, or in the Doing It Also workshop, where you were a participant, or the Parallel Path. You just bring so much creative and inspirational energy to any room or Zoom room that you're part of, and you contribute so much to everyone else. And I love your podcast. I adore you. And I'm just so grateful that you've become a bigger part of my life. Well, likewise, uh, right back at you. Thank you for sitting down with me. Um, yeah, and it was a real pleasure doing doing it also in Parallel Path. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sad that I had to miss some of the latter part um, to go home, um, but I'm also very excited also to all of these things. Like I think even Jen, um, any teacher, like it's like you, we take classes um, when we need them. And yeah. it's good when you learn things to a point um, and realize that it's time to like implement and like, you know, not take a break but like make space to like implement the things you've been learning. So um, thank you very much for for it all. Um, And we're still part of the same community. So, you know, I'm excited. Um, Thank you very much for sitting down with me today. Um, Do you have any final words? Hmm. Any final words? Um, I would just say to, I would encourage people to pay attention, especially right now. I think that's so much of what we're talking about is notice the things that are going well for you. Notice the things that are hard right now. Notice what's lighting you up and making you feel creative. Notice the things that you're consistently taking from conversations that you have or listen to and just start collecting that data because it will absolutely illuminate something to you. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And I think people have a lot of data to collect from this conversation. Yes, Um, thank you. Thank you. All right, well, we'll talk soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. So that was my conversation with Lily Torre. Be sure to check out and subscribe to The Dreaded Question. Um, Check out the links in the show notes. Be on the lookout for the Doing It Also workshop, the Parallel Path, and the different projects that are going to come up. Um, She's also running a podcasting workshop. If you want to get into that, um, it reminds me I have to send that link to my friend Lee Marshall, who hit me up yesterday about 
a good place to learn about podcasting. So I'm going to send him right over there. You heard it right here. Um, so yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, links are in the show notes as always. Um, if you want to support this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, share, uh, hit me up on social media or email, um, carrier pigeon, however you do it. We're in Brooklyn. We have those. Uh, yeah, I think that's all. That's all I can think about right now, folks. So, um, Keep doing your thing. I hope to hear about it. Hope to see it in the world. Share it. The world needs your contribution. And I will be here again on Monday with the Bushwick Variety Show. So have a good one. Peace. Peace.